I want to ensure that companies all around the world, regardless of their industry and their location, have access to reliable payment and banking solutions across the globe. And not just reliable ones, but ones that are going to help them scale their business and take it to the next level. Welcome to Purpose Driven Fintech. I'm your host, Monica Millar. I interview fintech founders, product leaders, and experts to uncover their stories, challenges, and lessons learned in building products with impact. To win the battle with financial stress and have social impact, we need to build products that solve real customer needs in a differentiated manner. In today's episode, we speak with Liselle Pratt, founder of CapitalX, a fast-growing fintech consultancy. CapitalX specializes in helping medium to high-risk industries obtain market-leading fintech payments and banking solutions. Liselle has been recognized by the industry multiple times. She was named in Forbes 30 under 30 finance list and won Rising Star of the Year at the UK Fintech Awards just a few weeks ago. It is a fascinating conversation. Let's go into it. Hello, Liselle, and welcome to the show. I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. I've been following you for ages, so welcome. Hey, Monica. I know it's so nice to have to finally get a chance to go on a podcast with you. And yeah, I've been following you for ages as well. You're super amazing. I see all the great you. stuff you're doing in Syntech. And uh, yeah, it's just so great to connect with an inspiring and kick-ass woman in the industry. Just like you. Thank you. <laughs> because you're Thank also you. doing like all these amazing things. So this should be a very fun episode, I think. Yes, definitely. So let's get started with what I call a little speed dating exercise so that then we get to know you a little bit better. And so mm -hmm. can you tell me what's your favorite holiday so far? My favorite holiday? Ooh. Definitely whenever I go to Thailand, because I'm obviously half Thai and Thailand's my home and just being on an island somewhere where that you don't, you lose all connectivity to the world and you're just going back to basics, you know, living on a beach hut, drinking coconut, eating nice Thai food. That's, that's my ideal holiday, switching off and living like going back to basics. It sounds lovely. So what's your favorite food then? Is it Thai? Oh, yeah, definitely Thai food. Maybe I'm biased, but I love Thai food. I find like all the fresh ingredients are so nice. And I find it quite healthy as well. I love spicy food. Like I can eat mm. super spicy. So yeah, definitely Thai food. And I always ask for like extra, extra spicy when I'm there. They look at me like, eh, are you okay? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I'm Thai, I'm sure. So while we're on the topic and speed dating stuff, If someone is about to go to Thailand, where do they have to go? This is like a proper recommendation. Oh, okay. I would say definitely check out Bangkok. I know it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's a really, it's like a city like no other. It's intense. It's got everything. It's got amazing rooftop bars. It's got super luxury. If you like luxury, like the amazing rooftop bars, amazing hotels, but it's also got like down to earth kind of places like street hearts, street, mar street food markets. So it's got a mixture of everything and I think it caters to everyone's desires and, and yes. requirements. So yeah. I would say definitely check out Bangkok for a few days and then head to a nice island like Koh Samui or like Phuket. I love Phuket. It's, that's also the same. It caters to everyone's needs. So if you want to go cheap, you can go cheap. Or if you want to go luxury, you can have luxury. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. 
So what is your favorite book so far? Mm, that's a good question. You know what? I love what's really helped me with financial literacy from a personal perspective is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. Because I've learned all about the importance of creating financial freedom for yourself. And that involves, obviously, investing into different areas like property. So I, 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 I like to invest into property. I do that on the side. And uh, it's all about creating recurring revenue for yourself and ultimately creating freedom where you don't have to work anymore. So I learned a lot. I've, I first read that book when I was like 18. And then since then, I'm like, oh, this is the money mindset that I need. And I think yes. it's really helped me in business as well. Awesome. Whoop, yeah. whoop, whoop. This is good. Good, good. So let's get into it. Let's go for on in the conversation. So this podcast is about how do we create impact? And mm -hmm. it's about purpose. So what has been the role of purpose in both in your life and in business? So... For me, purpose in life has always been about what am I, what am I doing on this earth? Like, what am I here to do and how am I going to create an impact in this world? And that's also helped within business. So for me, purpose has been about helping other people wherever I can, improving the efficiencies and also creating an inclusive and equal world. Mm -hmm. I'm very big on obviously equality and diversity. And I think I've been brought into this world to help create that change. So I obviously do a lot of things like on LinkedIn, on speaking engagements and everywhere else, everywhere that I can implement the importance of equality, I do. And I also implement it into my business. And also part of our business is creating an inclusive financial environment. So I, for me, I want to ensure that companies all around the world, regardless of their industry and their location, obviously not sanctioned countries, have access to reliable and reliable payment and banking solutions across the globe. And not just reliable ones, but ones that are going to help them scale their business and take it to the next level. Obviously, this includes new fintech solutions that, that have come out making them known of that. And yeah, that's, I think that's also part of my purpose, helping yeah. to make the world a better place in, in one way or another, if it's through equality and diversity or if it's through helping businesses actually help them to operate their business. Because if they don't have an actual bank account or a good payment solution, then they can't scale their business. Yeah. Like, without payments or a bank account, you just can't operate. So and Why is that important to you? What, the banking side or the Yeah, the banking equality? side. Well, um, I guess for me, it was all about finding out, rather than just working for money, which I know a lot of people do, like just operating a business for money. It's all about actually what am I helping? Like, I feel like when you have a purpose, you are more passionate about what you do and you're more likely to work harder and it, it motivates you to keep going. So that was what I was trying to find in my business and in the industry that I'm operating in and in life as well. That, that's what helps me become a good entrepreneur and, and help me to really scale my business. Yes, which moving yeah. on to your business, like you are 
Forbes 30 under 30. And then just a few weeks ago, you were named as the rising star in the UK Fintech <laughs> Awards. So you are awesome, right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how did you come up with the idea of starting Capitalix? Yeah, so it's it just... It just really happened randomly, actually. So initially what happened, me and my business partner, who's also my fiance. <laughs> so we met in the industry. We've been together for almost seven years now. We we actually met. Yeah, we we're working at the same company on the same team. And we discovered that there was a like a gap in the market to sell, service the underserviced industries. And not just the underserviced industries, also underserviced jurisdictions in the world. So there's a lot of other countries out there that aren't getting access to reliable payments and banking solutions. Now in London, for example, we're swamped with so many good fintech products. We're swamped with that we have we're spoiled for choice. But when you go to places more like, for example, in Eastern Europe, for example, then the choice has become a lot more limited. Uh, mm -hmm. But obviously now that's changing because Lithuania is becoming a lot more innovative. But also, so yeah, back to basics. What happened was we dis we discovered that there was a gap in the market to serve the underserviced industries. So yeah, we decided to set up a, a company that actually enables and specializes in that area where we help medium, we call them medium and high risk industries where financial institutions or PSPs have deemed them as that. So therefore they actually struggle to get those types of reliable payment and banking solutions. Now, there's nothing wrong with their business. It's just that they require a lot more compliance monitoring and they actually require a lot more. They actually require a specialist provider that, is, that can actually cater to their needs because it's a compliance team aren't robust, not sorry, not robust, but aren't experienced in that specific area or that specific industry. It's going to cause a lot of delays for their business. Mm -hmm. And obviously when there's delays in your business, then your business falls behind and you can't pay customers. So it's all about matching these companies up with providers that are best suited to their needs and specialize in their, in their industry and can cater to what they're looking for. So how I started with it is it was, it was actually on a plane to Thailand, <laughs> my favorite place. And yeah, I just thought, actually, this kind of makes sense. Why don't we set up a company that matches these types of companies with our network. So we have a global network of over 50, 50 global banks, financial institutions, payment providers across the world. So we obviously know that one size does not fit all. And what we'll do is we'll take the time to understand what their requirements are and then match them up with the providers that are best suited to their needs, yeah. given what they need. And it could just be that they... It may not just be one solution that they need. They may need an array of solutions and we'll put them in contact with the best ones. Okay. So I have a question. You mentioned basically your clients are medium and high risk businesses. Mm -hmm. Is it? What categorizes them as medium and high risk? So they're more susceptible to, I guess, fraud within their business because they have high amounts of volume and transactions to make. So for example, a company like an e-money institution, they're categorized as high risk, even though they're, they're, so 
financial institutions working with other financial institutions because of the large amounts of money that they're both using. It's it's considered high risk. So yeah, we actually help e-money institutions get access to reliable payment solutions that they can actually deliver to their customers and, and clients, as well as yeah, money service businesses, investment platforms, because there's the high amount of small amounts of money that are coming onto the platform from customers all across the world. What also makes it high risk is the the AML procedure, the KYC. It's a lot of work for a compliance team to to manage and monitor. So the companies that we're introducing them to have robust um, AML and KYC procedures. They have the good technology for that to cater to these types of industries. There's also even like, for example, there's newer industries out there like CBD or crypto, I suppose. For newer industries, banks or financial institutions don't fully understand those types of industries and how they work. So again, these types of companies need specialist providers that can actually cater and specialize in that industry. So just to summarize, basically what you do is you do not provide the financial services to the businesses, but you kind of connect them with a network of businesses that can cater for their needs. Exactly that. Yeah, correct. Cool. And then how did you think about your product? Like what makes your product a great product? Which is not a product. It's not a tech product. It's more like a service. Service, yeah. So I would say what makes a good product for us is the providers that we work with. So we ensure that the providers that we work with have high um, I mean, there's a lot of areas that we look out for, but they're very reputable in the industry. They have very good security of funds. They're protected with tier one banks. Also, the solutions that they can offer, so an array of fintech products that are going to help our clients scale their business. So that's, I think that's how we see product. Also, the efficiency of their service, how quickly the funds get delivered, if there's any delays or any issues on the back-end system. And also the customer service, because in today's world, in fintech, if you're not delivering a good service, they're going to go somewhere else. So this is what we do when we're finding or taking on new providers for our clients. We ensure they they tick all these boxes and then we'll move on to the negotiation stage and bring them on as a provider that we can introduce to our clients. Cool. So one of the common questions or challenges that we as fintechers in the consumer world face is, hey, we are going to introduce a new partner, a new vendor Mm -hmm. to do certain part of the process, let's say. And then we have to do all these due diligence on on the vendors and then partners, I like to call them partners, Mm -hmm. uh, and then basically assess them and then decide who is the best partner for what we're looking for. It seems like you're an expert in assessing partners. Exactly, yeah. Yes, what sir, could yeah. be your framework? Like, what is it that we can use? And you're like, hey, these are the five things that you have to do when you're assessing a partner, a tech partner. So, so syntax specifically, security of funds you need to make sure that their regulation, they're, they're at a very good regulation. 
they're reputable in the industry because you get a lot of small EMIs that pop out of nowhere in the middle of nowhere, offering their offering the world to certain types of clients. They specifically target medium and high risk because they obviously are desperate for a solution. And unfortunately, I've had clients that have had their funds go missing because of this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and then when they come to us, we consult them and tell them what they should be looking out for and ensuring that, obviously mentioning that the security of funds and the regulation where they're regulated. So obviously, for example, the UK has robust compliance procedures. The FCA regulation is probably one of the highest in the world. So looking out for going for countries where you know that they have high regulation standards. So for example, Singapore, the UK, France, Germany, a lot, most of Western Europe have robust and compliance procedures and regulations. So in that area, you can trust, you can trust their services. Also, another area to look out for is, do they, do you, do any of their are any of their competitors using them? So, for example, if you know someone that's already using their service, then that's you, and they everything's running smoothly, then you're going to feel more confident using that. So, sometimes we'll have within a certain industry, um, clients asking, "Do any of our competitors use them?" And we'll say yes, and obviously we are under NDA, so we'll have to ask them permission to share contact details. Um, so yeah, it's all about looking out for how reputable they are in the industry, how long they've been established, who they bank with as well. So if they're banking with tier one providers like Barclays or HSBC, then you know, for example, there's obviously been a lot of backlash recently with Signature Bank and and everything else where they've collapsed. So you know your money's going to be safe in a tier one bank and you you have a lot more peace of mind knowing that so that's what i would say interesting yeah i hadn't thought about the who they bank with mm. but yeah that is yeah that is key. yeah so if a provider is banking with a tier one provider usually what happens well what always happens in a in a good regulated provider is the client money is held in tier one segregated client accounts with for example barclays or hsbc so that means they're funds are fully protected with HSBC. That means that the provider can't exactly use that money for anything else, that they can't use it for investment purposes or anything. It's there for that specific use, client money. Okay, cool. So moving on a little bit more into you, Mm -hmm. you know, like about the sale as a leader and entrepreneur and your experience. Mm -hmm. You are Forbes 30 under 30. Mm-hmm. In your words, can you explain us why? Why do you what? think you got into that list? It's like, <laughs> what was so amazing about you that we're like, whoop, whoop, I'm in the list. <laughs> and you know what? When I first got it, I actually thought I was dreaming. <laughs> so I actually had to slap myself. I always say this. I had to slap myself because I was like, oh, my God, how can someone like me get on a like a, an amazing, prestigious list like that? It was honestly like... I think I cried as well, just because for me, I started my business at the age of 23 um, where no one believed in me and I wasn't taken seriously enough in the industry. I was a young female woman, like I was a young woman entrepreneur that's in fintech, whereas male dominated. And I wasn't taken seriously. And to 
have that recognition for me. It was like, actually, I can do it. And I've got the backing of Forbes that have said, well, it's basically adding substance to what I can do and proving myself in the industry. But in all honesty, I think I've just always been my authentic self. I don't shy away from the fact that I'm a, a young leader in the industry. I actually embrace it and I use it to my advantage. And I'm, I always make people known of this fact as well. Like you can see on LinkedIn all about my post. I don't, it doesn't, and maybe some people might think, oh, maybe they won't take me seriously enough. No, this is what I need to do to be taken seriously. I need to put myself out there and, and share my challenges and experiences with people and have a community and support that are there for me. And I feel like I have a, like a young energy, so I have a new way of thinking. So this also allows me to stay ahead of the curve in the industry. And most of all, I think I'm, I'm also, I have a purpose, as we were mentioning before, and my purpose is to make the fintech world a better place by promoting equality, like the importance of equality and diversity, and also inclusion, doing my part in making it a better place. And yeah, it was, it's a great backing for me. Yeah. And I'm here to do good things. I'm not here to just make money. I'm here to actually make an impact and serve my purpose. Good. So I'll challenge you. Probably this is like a common question that you get a lot. So for young people, young entrepreneurs get this a lot. So this idea of at a young age, yes, you have a lot of energy. You have a lot of drive. You do not have experience. Mm. How do you answer to that question or challenge that I'm sure you get it all the time that it's like, hey, Especially when you started, you were like 23, 25. You have like yeah. zero experience. Yeah. Regardless yeah. if you're a man or a woman, you have like yeah. zero experience. How did yeah. you go about that challenge? Um, so when I first started at 23, I already had five years of experience because I started at 18. So I guess, I mean, I still had the expertise there. But for me, it was all about, I didn't, like my age didn't really matter to me. It was all about serving a purpose, which was helping these companies um, obtain the right payment and banking solutions for their business. And it was also delivering on the results. When I showed results, then companies started trusting me and they started wanting to do business with me. And that was always my aim, delivering the results that these companies need. And then the results speak for themselves, right? Cool. So it was results oriented. I always say that as well. That yeah, I'm like, oriented. how did exactly. you? I'm like, well, I just work well. Yeah, just I deliver on your results and then yeah. let the results do the talking. Exactly, 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 exactly. So, what has been, other than, I guess, age, what has been one of the biggest challenges of being, let's say, a CEO? And yeah, I mean, definitely age. As mentioned, at 23, I wasn't taken seriously enough. It was tough, but I stood my ground and persevered. Yeah. Now I have set substance to prove I'm worth taking seriously for in this industry. Also, another thing is I have ADHD, <laughs> which, which also comes with its fair share of challenges. But I've got a good team around me. I've got an amazing PA who knows of my condition and she help support me in the right way. And my team will know it as well. 
So they can sometimes say like, oh, this is Lizelle's ADHD brain going again. So can you expand on what does that mean? How does it impact you? And how is it good? How do you leverage those qualities to do good business? Because there's like people yeah. saying, oh, I've got ADHD. I'm a victim. And then the other saying, oh, I've got ADHD. Therefore, I'm an amazing yeah. entrepreneur. There is a two yeah, side. Yeah. So yeah, tell us a bit so, about the two sides. Yeah. So, you know what? I actually never mentioned, like, I, I probably see, I've never actually mentioned the fact that I've got ADHD. This is probably the, the first time in a podcast because of the, the exact reason, like, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, there are, my, my business partner, my fiance, he definitely sees the difference between me and him. There's definitely good sides of it, but I'll, I'll tell you like this, the areas that I do struggle with, which is paying attention, like. It's it's in the the word so attention deficit hyperactive disorder. I lose attention very quickly. My organization skills are like they definitely lack, which is why I've got a great PA that helps me to stay organized. I lose interest in specific areas very quickly as well. So I'm well, obviously I get a lot of energy to start, and then I quickly lose interest. And then obviously there's really, really good sides. So if I'm, I'm, I, I would say like I'm the visionary entrepreneur of the business. I'm always thinking ahead, like what areas can we innovate? Where can we take this to the next level? What strategies can we implement that, that are going to help grow the business? So I'm always thinking of those like creative ways. And I don't just go from what the industry is doing. I do, I also do it differently. Because of my, I feel like my, my mind has helped me to, to think differently. So there's that. And there's also the hyper-focus that I get. So when I'm specifically interested in a project, I will spend the whole day and night working on it and I won't sleep. I won't like, it can, it can get to a point where it's not good, but it's also mm. really good because I can get a week's worth of work done in a day, basically. Cool. So it's like hyper-focus. Yeah. So then... How are you building your company culture? Um, so we have, so company culture is definitely a big thing for us. I think for me, we have, so our, our, our values are, but we have values that we have in the business, which we always ingrain into our employees and we all essentially like eat, sleep, breathe it, which is teamwork makes the dream work. So we always go on about if we're working as a team helping each other supporting each other then we're all going to succeed together rather than if people don't want to help each other or or, or work and, and get to the next level if, if you're trying to be a oh, a one-man wolf or whatever you call it then you're not going to get to that next level and we always say if you want to go far then you go together <laughs> so that's very important with us I mean we all work hard and I think my team are very results driven as well, because when they deliver results, they get a lot of incentives. We celebrate a lot together. Mm, um, that's important. Yeah, yeah. We love to celebrate, go out for nice dinners, drinks. So yeah, I think that's very important. And also ensuring that the well-being of our employees is is important as well. I always check in on them and like how they're doing with their mental health, how how everything's doing. We offer paid mentoring here and also paid therapy if they need it 
Uh, we also have this thing called do they days. So if they <laughs> do their days. Yeah. So if, for example, for whatever reason, maybe they're hungover or they just don't feel like working that day, they can just say, I'm taking a do they day without any notice, without anything. Let me yeah. think it. Cool. Yeah. So it seems like you're yeah. building a balanced culture of high performance and well-being. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I'm also promoting a lot my values of myself as well, which is freedom is the ultimate success. So we're a remote working, remote sales, work from anywhere company. And this has also allowed us to hire working mothers as well, who can't actually go into the office because they have young kids to look after. And and a lot of, well, me, me specifically, I love to travel the world. So I love to work from wherever. And there's my team that like to do this as well. And I feel like it just gives that extra level of freedom. And I feel like when you feel like you're free, you have the success. You feel like you're your own person again. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yes, because it's that feeling of not being stuck, basically. The feeling of feeling stuck is like, ah, but then it's like the opposite. It's like, hey, I feel free. I have the flexibility to do whatever works for life and work. Yeah, exactly. Like when I was working in in the city of London, I mean, I had the best experience. Like the city life was great. But I think what was getting me, like why I wanted to create this type of company was because I wanted to have that freedom. I didn't want to go on a tube every morning when it's raining outside or gray to go into an office and then go back when it's dark again. I want to live in a nice sunny place in Portugal, for example, where I can go to the beach, have some nice wine or seafood. I want to explore and like migrate to Thailand when it's winter, you know, I want that's that's freedom for me. I like that. I like that approach that it's like, hey, I don't need to be in the cold weather (laughs) exactly yeah and I always tell my team this as well like we had one of our team that was working from Brazil at the end of last year and we're going to be so me and her we're going to Thailand for ISX Expo you know the one where you was invited as well yeah so we're going to go there I'm spending we're both spending a month there we're going to travel and also work so I like that Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to say no to that. It's like, I like, I like that culture. Yeah. Cool. So other than flexibility, when it comes to diversity in fintech, what are your thoughts? And I'm very happy to go deep on this one, not surface level. Hey, we need mentoring. No, we don't need mentoring. We don't need flexibility only. Like, what's your real thoughts about how do we make fintech better for well, women specific to gender diversity and like diversity in general. Yeah. And so there's a lot of noise happening right now. I think it's a big topic, like more and more women are becoming, getting to senior level positions and they're doing their part to create change and make an impact and and share their voice. And I think there are definitely companies are implementing this, but I also think there's quite a few companies out there that just like, Whenever, I don't know, if they hear it, they just block it out. They don't. And I think. Interesting. Yeah. And I think what these companies need to understand that it's not just diversity or equality in the industry is not just to make the world a better place. 
it's actually going to help your company perform better and outperform your competition. And there's a lot of studies out there. For example, there's a McKinsey report, which I read the other day. Something along the lines of a company with a more diverse board outperforms those with less by 25%, like with their competition. And yeah, people, it's also the proof is there that it outperforms your competition. And also you get a different perspective from different minds. If you're, if you all look the same and think the same, if you're just a room full of white men, same age, you're not going to have a diverse way of thinking. You're going to be just, it's not going to help your company outperform your competition and get better. And I think that's uh, crucial in, in if you want a successful company, you have to have diversity. Yeah. So I think we all buy into the diversity. We all need diversity. Yes. We yeah. buy into the whole thing and the McKinsey thing. Mm. Can you give us, like you say, results? Can you give mm. us suggestions on how to go about it? There's definitely, I mean, there's plenty of ways to create equality, right? And I think it all starts with people speaking up about it, like for action to take place, people who have experienced the adverse effects of non-diversity, I think it's important for them to share their experiences mm. and for people to see the ones, I guess, for, for men to see in specifically, because now we're talking about obviously the lack of women in the industry, what we've gone through the challenges that we faced and why it's important to, for us to have a better working environment. Because if we don't have a good working environment, then how can we thrive? How can we be our best authentic selves? How can we really put ourselves to that fullest potential? If we don't have a nice environment to work in, then how are we going to be the best we can be, right? And the ways that we can do this. So yeah, speaking up about it, I mean, I, I'd hate to say, I know you said mentoring, but I honestly think what, I mean, when I first started in the industry, I was the only woman out of a team of, at the first company, 25 men that I, I was on the trading floor. I didn't have any female, like senior role models around. And I just felt so left out. I, I just didn't feel like I belonged. And I was told by the men around me that women don't belong in this industry. Oh, wow. And you were told that. Yeah, I was told that. Mm -hmm. So I've, I started to think that, and then there was this lady that actually came, a senior lady, who, who, who I was paired up, I asked her if she could mentor me. She's like, yeah, of course. And I got a lot of information from her and like everything that I was going through, she went through as well. And she really helped me. So I think, yeah, if you don't have a senior level woman in your company, you may be a small company and that's fine. Pair them up with another lady from a different company. Or, you know, there's mentoring platforms. Are there like mentor crews? There's Wise Up. There's so many mentoring platforms. If you can pair them up with a senior level person, then that's going to really help them to feel like they have a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And then when you feel like you belong, then you can actually do your job and you won't feel the self, like you won't have a lack of confidence and the feeling that you don't belong because if you feel like you don't belong then you're not it's it just you're not going to do a good job 
Yeah, I've never. That's a very good point. I've never thought about being a situation where I am properly the only woman, not in the room, but like in the company. In, the company, in case yeah. that it's like a small company, right? And that mm -hmm. there is like no woman, absolutely no other woman next to you. Yeah, that sounds even bizarre. Yeah. That's super weird. Yeah. I mean, there was a lady in compliance, but that's, that's about it. Like, I, I couldn't really speak to her either. <laughs> I, I hope that doesn't happen much these days. Yeah, I know. I know. And quite honestly, I think it does. When you, I've had a look at some small payments companies on LinkedIn and I see they're just men, like smaller ones. Mm -hmm. And yeah and I've, i've i've got some friends that have their own payments companies and i'm like do you have any women on your team they're like yeah we i mean they don't have senior women but they just have like a junior level women i'm like oh pair them up with me i'll help mentor them i, I i'm like without no intentions i just want to help because i know how the feeling is it's it's not nice to feel like do i belong in this industry you know yeah that sounds like a horrible feeling yeah i've never had that Like, yeah. do I belong in this industry? I've never felt that before, but I think yeah. it's going to be horrible to feel that. Yeah. And being told by your teammate that women don't belong in this industry is... Oh. That's a killer. Yeah. 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 That, is, that is just bad, unacceptable behavior. Whether you're a man or a woman, like, it's just not being a nice human to tell someone you don't belong here. Yeah. Like, come on. What's the, what's the company culture here? Like... Yeah. It was like... It, They, so the industry, the specific sector in fintech that I work in, payments, foreign exchange, like deliverable effects, it is very male dominated, especially on the actual sales floor, the trading floor, where the actual, the brokerage, the broking area happens. It's, it's like a lot of male energy. <laughs> so yeah, for me, I... Because it was one of my first jobs, I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, okay, this is how working is. This is how, like, I was a young, I was 18, right? Um, I'm like, okay, this is normal. But now that I'm progressed and more senior, I've got my own company. I'm like, no, that's not normal. That's, that's just, that's not acceptable, really. No, that sounds just not acceptable. Like, you cannot <laughs> tell someone you do not belong here. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're a team. Yeah, I know. Okie dokie. So, as we get towards the end of the episode, if you were to change one, one, just one thing in fintech to make fintech better for customers, staff, and shareholders, what could you do? So, I thought about this question a lot. And for me, I think what's really going to help the industry is if companies are just more transparent with their customers, their investors, their staff. If you're transparent with what's happening in your business, then the your staff are going to feel more comfortable there. If you're letting them know what's happening, like what are the next steps, like what's happening in your business, rather than having that hierarchy, they don't need to know that. It's going to create a more inclusive environment. And yeah, especially for customers, if you can't offer them a specific service, Don't just ignore them. Tell them why. Because that happens a lot in the payments industry. If they can't cater to a specific client, even though they've been speaking with them, 
they'll just ignore them and not reply to them. So it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, it doesn't create a nice. It creates adverse med like adverse media within the industry, right? So yeah, transparency and being just being a good person. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Well, that is what I mean by. I'm assuming we are a industry full of good people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we are good people, and yeah, I think. Just being honest with your customers. If you can't service them, then just let them know. Yeah, as simple as that. Yeah. Transparency can yeah. take us a long way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure having you in the show, Liesel. Thank you so much. Where can we find more about you and Capital Likes? Yeah, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Monica. Thank you for having me. You can find us on our website, which is capitalize.com obviously with an X or you can connect with us on LinkedIn as well same name you can also connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to reach out for any questions I'm always here and happy to help open for mentoring too <laughs> open for mentoring exactly awesome thank you so much Liselle thank you everyone see you next week